It was a day just like any other day. His brothers had gotten him out of bed, gotten him dressed, given him a simple breakfast, and on their way to work, carried him to his usual spot. It was just an ordinary day. The sky wasn't any bluer. The birds didn't sing any sweeter. The sun didn't shine any brighter. It was just a day like any other day. As he lay with his shriveled, twisted legs extended in front of him, he thought of all the days he had laid in front of the temple gate and how those days stretched out like an endless horizon before him. He looked down at his useless limbs stretched out on the blanket in front of him. They were his, uh, but they weren't even a part of him. He had never felt them, never moved them, never ran as a boy, never walked as a man. Today was just a day, no better and no worse than all the other days that had made up the life of this poor, crippled beggar. The Bible doesn't tell us his name or anything about his life before or after this day. But the miracle that would happen to him on this day, this ordinary day, would be written about by a doctor and read about by millions upon millions of people all over the world for generations to come. Now, a miracle by definition has to do with the supernatural. It's the opposite of that which is natural. C.S. Lewis defines miracle as an interference with nature by supernatural power. This is done as God superimposes his high invisible law over the visible laws of nature. When the regular process of nature is overruled or supplemented by something from beyond nature, that is a miracle. In the beginning, God established the laws of nature, and it is by those laws that this universe operates. However, there is a higher law, a divine law, that God reserves for himself. The word of the Lord plainly reveals that God is a God of miracles. And there are times when he breaks into the natural order and superimposes his higher law upon a situation in order to accomplish his will in a matter. At any place where the natural is rebelling against divine order and purpose, those who are believers should begin to expect a higher law to be imposed, a law that sets things right, a law that produces the miraculous. And this brings me to the story that forms the text for the message today. In this passage, I want to show you three kinds of people who are positioned to experience the inbreaking of God's supernatural miracle power. 
And as I do, I want to invite you to let your faith begin to rise, to begin to believe that this day, somebody say this day, might just be your day to experience the miracle you need. In the first group, you find those who are expectant cripples. In this story in Acts chapter 3, we are introduced to a broken man. In our politically correct world, he would be physically challenged or physically disadvantaged. The Bible says he was lame from birth. So that tells us that his physical handicap was through no fault of his own. In addition to being physically broken, he's a beggar, so he's emotionally broken. He's been sitting at this same spot for so long, day after day, begging in the same place until he had become a fixture at that place, and he was well known as the lame beggar who sat by the gate beautiful. This man, if you read it and look at it, you realize he had three strikes against him. First of all, he couldn't walk. In fact, he had never walked. As a result of not being able to walk, he was unable to work. There was no government program to provide relief. There was no assistance to help him learn a trade to work with his hands. There wasn't a charitable organization to supply a wheelchair to help him be mobile. His entire life was spent as a dependent, dependent upon others to carry him to his spot, dependent upon the charity of others to drop a coin into his cup. He had spent so much time this way until he considered his broken crippled, dependent state as normal. Being crippled means he cannot walk, he cannot work, but it also means that he cannot, he is unable to worship. The Bible says he was sitting at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. This gate was a marvelous wonder. Historians tell us it was 75 feet high and 60 feet wide. It was so massive that it took 20 men to open and close it. The reason it was called the beautiful gate was because it was extremely elaborate. It was made of Corinthian brass and overlaid with intricate patterns of gold and silver. This gate was the eastern gate. And when the sun would come up over the Mount of Olives and burst upon that gate that looked toward the east, it would dazzle and almost blind you with its radiant beauty. The report is that the light reflecting off that gate could be seen from miles away. And here's this man just outside the beautiful gate. He's outside because the Levitical law said that a deformed man couldn't pass through the gates and enter the temple to worship. He's ceremonially unclean, so he can't walk, he can't work, and he can't worship. As I was reflecting on the condition of this man, it occurred to me that the real tragedy isn't what he is, but where he is. Verse 2 says that he was placed at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. 
Now watch this. He's at the temple, not in the temple. And that seems to represent so many modern day church people who are always at church, but never in church. Some of you in this service today, you're at worship, but not in worship. Now, I'm not just talking about the people in the building. I'm talking about you who are part of our online congregation as well. You're tuned in, but you're not engaged. See, so many people miss the dynamic, transforming power of the worship experience because they're always at church, but never in church. Never in church in terms of caring. Never in church in terms of interest. Never in church in terms of being a part of what's going on inside the church. Sitting in the seats, watching on the internet, but never in worship. Put good money in the church, but never concerned about the church. I want to tell you, you you can tell when someone is at church and not in church. When you can leave the service the same old way that you came, you were only at church. When you can leave church doing the same old thing, acting the same old way, going to the same old places, you were at church and not in church. When you leave the service and never get any stronger than when you came and you never feel the Holy Spirit and nothing ever moves you and nothing ever gets next to you and nothing ever stirs you, you're at church and not in church. When your habits never change, when your ways never get any better, when your lifestyle never gets any different, you are at church and not in church church. The tragedy of this man was not how he was, but where he was. He was at church, but he wasn't in church. This lame man becomes a composite representation of all people. See, I found that most people are broken at some place. Can I get a witness in the house? Sometimes the brokenness manifests itself as a broken relationship with a family member. Sometimes it's seen as an emotional wound. Sometimes it's revealed as a habit or an addiction that you can't seem to break. Sometimes it's a memory from the past that keeps cropping up at the most inopportune moment and you can't seem to escape it. And then there is the universal brokenness of humanity as a result of sin. That's what Romans 3 and 23 is talking about when it says, all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. That means you're born with a spiritual handicap. You're born with a predisposition towards sin and a streak of rebellion. Have you noticed you don't ever have to teach children to be selfish? It's because you're born with that little streak in you. You aren't spiritually whole, you're spiritual cripples. To to be politically correct, you're sin disadvantaged. (laughs) And you're righteously challenged. Now, I've discovered most people like the idea of miracles in the abstract. See, they like the idea of miracles occurring. They want the miraculous, but they don't want the condition that necessitates the miracle. 
I've also found that it's possible to get comfortable with the crippled condition. Most people have learned how to live with it and how to deal with it. And it sometimes seems to me that people spend more time trying to figure out how to cope with the condition, trying to live with the problem, than they do in looking for the inbreaking of God's presence and power to bring deliverance. This man had been crippled for 40 years. He had accepted his lot in life. He had resigned himself to the fact that if he was going to survive, it would be by begging, and he sought out one of the most profitable spots. See, there were three prime spots for begging in that day. One is talked about in Luke chapter 16, outside the house of a wealthy man. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Lazarus is at the gate of the rich man begging. See, here one could hope for some charitable assistance from the residents of the house. Even if you didn't get anything directly from them, at least the garbage they threw out was better than anywhere else in town. The next spot is where you find the blind man Bartimaeus on a major highway running through town. Lots of traffic. Surely somebody would show some pity on you. The third spot, and perhaps the best of the three, was here at the gate of the temple. I mean, as the worshipers were coming and going with their minds turned toward the Lord, surely their heart would be moved with compassion on a cripple trying to survive. In verse 5 of our story, the Bible says that the man gave Peter and John his attention expecting to receive something from them. Now, I don't know that he was expecting a miracle of healing. I suspect that he looked with expectancy, simply expecting a coin in his cup. What I want you to understand today is that if the Lord can get you to expect anything, it's better than coming into his presence without any expectation at all. And I want to tell you, in this service today, the Lord is trying to bring you to a point where you recognize that you have a benevolent, loving, heavenly Father who has all the resources of heaven at his command. See, there are storerooms of miracle blessings that haven't even been opened. He loves you as his child. He will not, the Bible says, withhold any good thing from those who love him. A look of expectancy is the look of faith, and faith is what gets his attention. You may be broken and crippled today. You may be paralyzed. You may be dependent. But if you'll position yourself with expectancy, you will be a prime candidate to receive God's miracle help and wholeness. The first group positioned to receive God's miracles are expectant cripples. Then there are empowered believers. I want you to notice, this isn't the first time these disciples have entered the temple area through the beautiful gate. And this isn't, if this guy's been sitting there, laying there for 40 years, this isn't the first time they've seen this crippled beggar asking for alms. But this time is different from all the other times. See, this time, they've been in the upper room. One chapter earlier. This time, they've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This time, they've got a new outlook and a new uplook. See, I want to tell you, anybody can report the way things are. 
Anybody can look at the negative and tell you how bad it is. It takes someone with a different spirit to be able to look at the impossible and see the possibilities. It takes somebody with a different spirit to be able to look at the clouds and find the silver lining. It takes somebody with a different spirit to be able to look at the despair and point you to hope. The lame man was looking for a coin. He was hoping for something like what he had gotten from countless others over the 40 years he had been begging. You know, one of the things I've learned in almost 65 years of living is that you don't change the outcome if you keep the same input. You can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing and expect a different result. If you want a different outcome, you have to change something in the input. When Peter said in verse 6, I do not possess silver and gold, I want you to understand, he wasn't apologizing that he and John were in a financial bind. Mm -mm. No, he was bragging. He was bragging. See, even if Peter could have given him some money, the man's condition would have remained unchanged. He would have still been the same man. Give him a coin, and he remains a crippled beggar. What the man wanted was money. What he needed was healing. Peter told him he didn't have what he wanted, but they had what he needed. The man wanted to fill his cup, but God wanted to fill his heart. The man wanted a hand out. He was about to receive a hand up. Peter, Peter's response is the proper response people of faith have for a hurting world. See, the, hurting, the solution for a hurting world isn't money to pay the rent. The solution for a hurting world isn't a turkey dinner at Thanksgiving and toys for the kids at Christmas. The solution for a hurting world isn't bigger and better ways to keep everybody busy and content. Making broken people whole is going to take more than bigger budgets. It's going to take more than beautiful buildings. It's going to take more than friendlier people. It's going to take more than exciting music. It's going to take more than catchy slogans and slick advertising. If the church is going to make a difference in the lives of broken people, then we're going to have to experience the outpouring of the power of the Spirit of God, and then we're going to have to release that power into the lives of hurting people. See, that kind of power doesn't just happen accidentally. That kind of power doesn't come when you wish it to. That kind of power doesn't come when you've spent, it doesn't come without spending time with Jesus and tuning into the sound of heaven. That kind of power comes when you've been to the upper room and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and then you emerge with the power and authority that he gives you. That kind of power comes when you spend time in prayer. That kind of power comes when you assemble with the saints in worship and your faith gets united with your faith and your faith and together one puts a thousand to flight and two put ten thousand into flight. There aren't any shortcuts to that kind of power. You can't substitute social action for that kind of power. You can't substitute kind words and friendly greetings for that kind of power. You can't substitute soothing words of counsel for that kind of power. You can't substitute medication for that kind of power. The only kind of power that will make any real and lasting difference in our hurting world is the kind of power that says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. See, you can't give away what you don't have. Such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm, 
I want to say something to everyone that is crippled. Everyone that is crippled by a habit that seems unbreakable. I want to say, look at me. I want to say to every person who has sat through service after service, feeling that peace and joy is for everybody else, but not for you. I want to say, look at me. I want to say to every person who has stopped trying because you're always stumbling and falling, look at me. I want to say to every person who has been mishandled by the religious system, look at me. I want to say to every person who has had your dream die, look at me. I want to say to every despairing, hopeless person who is crippled emotionally, psychologically, financially, socially, physically, spiritually, look at me. I don't have any words of cheer to fill, to lift emotional cripples out of your depression. I don't have any counsel that will straighten out the life of a psychological cripple. I don't have any business ventures or lines of credit or cash bailouts that will get financial cripples headed on the road to success. I don't have any medication that will restore the health of the physical cripples. I don't have any ability to free the spiritual cripples from the bondage of sin and Satan. To every broken, maimed, handicapped, crippled person that would look with expectancy to me, I would tell you today, silver and gold have I none. But I would go on to tell you, I have something better for you than a check. I have something better than a sack of groceries. I have something better to give you than a pill or a therapy session or an accountability group or even an encouraging word. I can connect you with a miracle worker who can make all your broken places whole. Here's what I want you to know. I can't take a heart that's broken and make it over again. But I know a man who can. I can't take a soul that's sin sick and make it white as snow. But I know a man who can. I can't walk on the water or calm a raging sea. But I know a man who can. I can't cause blind eyes to open. I can't make the lame walk again. But I know a man who can. I'm talking about Mary's baby. Bethlehem's glory. Golgotha's agony. The empty tomb's victory. He's the sea walker. He's the sight restorer. He's the bread multiplier. I'm talking about the peace speaker, the way maker, the burden bearer, the heavy load sharer, the promise keeper. He's the bright morning star. He's the lily of the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the rock in a weary land. He's the ancient of days. He's the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the first and the last. Some call him savior, the redeemer of men. I call him Jesus. He's my dearest friend. I want to tell you, if you think no one can help you, and you think your life is out of hand, listen, I know a man who can. Yes, he can. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, 
I give to you. I release to you. It's an anointing to proclaim wholeness to cripples. It's an anointing to release a breakthrough in the lives of those who are bound. It's an anointing to usher you into the miracle dimension of God's grace, power, and glory. See, silver and gold have I none, but I'm rich in faith. I'm rich in hope. I'm rich in love. I'm rich in grace. I'm rich in good news that Jesus is the answer. And that's what I give you today. Now, I want to tell you, this message I'm preaching, I'm convinced, isn't for everybody. But I know this message is for somebody. This is for somebody who's broken. This is for somebody who's hurting. This is for somebody who's bound. And what you're hearing right now isn't just a preacher standing in front of you preaching a sermon. But right now, you're hearing the voice of the Spirit saying to you, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. If you want to be free of that habit that has you bound, rise up and walk. If you need to get past the guilt from things in your past, rise up right now and walk. If you want to break the chains of unforgiveness, rise up and walk. If you want to be delivered from the pain of abuse, rise up and walk. If you want to be healed in your body, rise up right now, rise up and walk. While I'm preaching this message, it's as if the Lord himself is reaching down and taking you by the hand and pulling you up. He's saying, rise up and walk. Until now, you've been broken. Up until now, you've been unable to do what God has created and called you to do. Up until now, you've been in bondage, bondage to sin, bondage to the flesh and its desires, bondage to the pressures of this world. But now, now you are positioned for a miracle. Now, God... God's kingdom life has come to you. Now you are loose from the bondage. Now you are released from the pain. Now you are enabled by the Spirit of God. Now you can not only stand, but you can walk and leap and praise God. You're not going to have to learn how to do it. You're not going to have to practice. You're not going to have to go through rehab. It's the miracle life of God that comes to you right now. Through the miracle inbreaking of the Spirit of God, He's restoring your walk. He's restoring your work. He's restoring your worship. And I want to tell you, as you're standing and as you're walking, the Lord is making you whole. Somebody just needs to, that needs it. You just need to start moving your feet. You just need to pretend you're walking. I'm walking now in the name of Jesus. I'm walking now in the name of Silver and gold have I none. Would you take my hand? But such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Beverly, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be whole. Be whole. Be whole in the name of Jesus. Be whole, Gary. Be whole, be whole, be whole in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Give God praise in this house. Be whole, be whole, be whole, be whole in the name of Jesus. Be whole. 
release it into your life right now. I release it in your life. In the name of Jesus, I release his power. I wish somebody would help me shout right now. to God forever. Hallelujah. Receive, 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 receive. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Y'all sit down once. Just, just sit down a minute. Sit down a minute. I got to finish this up. My, my time's getting away from me. Expected cripples are positioned for miracles. What do you expect God to do? Some of you walked in here, you didn't have any idea that God was going to show up in your life, but he's here. I said, he's here. I said, he's here. Every time you walk in the doors, you ought to expect that this ought to be the day. This would be the time. Expectant cripples are positioned for miracles. Empowered believers are positioned for miracles. There's one more I want to tell you real quick, then we got to shut this down. So the other group can come in and get some of what you got. I would tell you that enthralled sinners are positioned for miracles. At the end of this story, verse 10 says, the, the people, they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. See, I want to tell you, the outpouring of God's presence and power produces the miraculous. When the miraculous is present, it becomes a sign to unbelievers that there is a power greater than that of man or anything, anything that man's intelligence can produce. Miracles are a sign that there is indeed a God. Miracles are a sign that God is at work in this world. Miracles serve to convince unbelievers and draw them to Jesus. Now, sinners may initially be drawn to witness the miracle, but when they see the wonderful works of God and are touched by his power, they will ultimately be drawn not to the miracles, but to the miracle worker. Now, I want to tell you, the miracles aren't just for your personal blessing. They are for the building of the kingdom of God. See, especially in this season, I'm asking the Lord for miracles. I'm believing the Lord for miracles. I, I'm praying for a resurgence of miracles that will point people to Jesus 
and call them to surrender to his lordship over their lives. That's where we find ourselves. Oh God, once again, let there be an outbreak of the miraculous. Not for the entertainment of the saints. But for the attraction of the unbelievers. Pastor Larry, come, come play and stop me. Expectant cripples, empowered believers, enthralled sinners. These are the people positioned to experience the miracles of God. I am persuaded to believe that in this service, somebody has already experienced the touch of God, the miraculous of God in your life. I don't even know what that really means, but I want to tell you that when you embrace that, then, then God begins to work. See, it's your expectation, and your expectation is, is so closely connected to your faith. See, a lot of people pray, but they don't believe anything's going to happen. So at that point, it's just empty words. It's what Jesus warned us about with vain repetition. If you don't think God's going to show up and do something, don't, don't bother to ask him. Don't waste his time or yours. That's why the Bible says when you pray, believe that you have. Right? There has to be that sense of expectation. See, oh, I wish I had, oh, can we stop the clock? Can we fall back just a little further? You know, I'm, there's so much in this story that I can't talk to you about because I don't have time to, to tell it. But, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by the fact that guy has never walked in his life. And the first thing that happens when he pulls him up, he starts walking. I mean, I've seen people learn to walk. It's not pretty. Right? Stumbling and falling and tripping and, you know. No. Not only does he walk, but he leaps and jumps around. I mean, the miracle is not just that he was no longer crippled, but he has full use of the faculties as if he had always done it. That's my God I'm talking about. That's what I want you to start expecting. That it's not going to be this long haul. That it's not going to be this long involved process. In a moment, he can touch you and turn it around. In a moment. In a moment. Now, Pastor, you've preached so often about the process. Yes, there is a process. But my goodness, could we just begin to believe that in this day, as we are nearing the time of the return of the Lord that he would accelerate some things could we just begin to believe God for an acceleration stand I, I, 
you play, you stand, I'll quit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to know, is anybody expecting God to do something? Let your level of expectation rise. See, one more thing I'd tell you, and then, and then, I'm, and then I'd got to quit. This, is, this isn't just for the pastor to stand up and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give any. No, no, no. How many of you are born again? How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? It's for you. The same Spirit that is in me is in you. The same Holy Spirit. I didn't get one and you get a different variety. Right? Am I right? Am I, is that what your Bible says? It's the same Spirit. So I can't go into the places you go. I can't touch the people's lives that you touch. So you release that divine power in their lives. Just see what God will do through you. Just see. I dare you to see what God will do. Father, in the name of Jesus, seal the work that you've done in our lives today. Bring us to another level of faith. Bring us from glory to glory and complete the work that you have begun in this service today. I believe you for that. I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, let us go from this place empowered by your spirit. And as we go, I pray that anyone that we find that is lame in whatever area, we will be able to minister the power, the life-giving spirit of Jesus Christ to them. Amen. 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 Come on, give God some praise in this house.